proof of work is such a integral aspect of it. As I was sitting there sweating and hitting my hammer on the chisel, I'm like, this is proof of work. There's no getting around it. This is the Bitcoin News, and I'm Clay Enos. In this episode, I speak with Brecky von Bitcoin about his pivot into sculpting and the role Bitcoin plays in and around his efforts. Now, this podcast is my fledgling effort to move the needle for Bitcoin, so your ratings and reviews help immensely, and I'd really appreciate you sharing this pod in your circles. I have no sponsors, so the value-for-value value model has great allure. If you're not listening on the Fountain or Breeze apps, maybe down the line you can and stream or boost some sats this way. I've just figured out splits, and I made OpenSats recipient of 10% of my stream. So back to Brecky. He is someone I've admired from afar for years. His commitment to mastery and the courage to learn in public wasn't lost on me. So it was a thrill to have this conversation. I hope you enjoy it. Brecky, uh, I was curious where you were in your Bitcoin journey when the muses called you. Sure, well... Uh... You know, I think we've talked about this, you know, in person a little bit, but back in 2017, 2018, I was making Bitcoin art for fun. Um, I was working in sort of mixed media and concrete and resin. And I was trying to find myself as an artist and find what medium spoke to me. And it took a while. It didn't actually happen until probably the 2020, I think. Um, I was listening to a podcast, uh, a Preston Pish podcast, and Elise Colleen was on, and she recommended this book called The Agony and the Ecstasy, which is an incredible um, biography of Michelangelo, and it's told almost in a in a narrative fashion. It's not just a dry biography, but you're kind of there in the, to, I guess, quote the title, in the agony and the ecstasy of his existence as an artist. Um, and I said to myself, I have to give this a try. Um, I'd always loved stone sculpture, but I was kind of like, how the, how the hell do you even start doing this? And at that point I just said, uh, I don't know how I'm going to do this, but I'm going to figure it out. Um, and so, you know, I started watching YouTube videos and reading whatever I could find online. And I found somewhere to order some chisels and I found a local supplier of stone and I kind of threw myself into it, not knowing all that much, uh, to begin with. Um, and, I'm not sure if, if it was a like an aha moment where like, you know, I woke up and like Eureka, the muse had struck me. But, you know, I think as I was, you know, hitting hammer to chisel the first few times, I realized, you know, this just feels like a very Bitcoin thing to do. And um, it felt right. You know, like Bitcoin, Bitcoiners are all about a, about a, about a um, you know, low time preference culture. And to me, there's nothing more low time preference in the art world than sculpting in stone. You know, it's something that takes a very, very long time, a long time to learn, a long time to actually complete something. Um, and so to me, it was like, you know, the stars were aligning. I was like, this makes sense. Like, um, you know, Bitcoin is, I think, one of, if not like the most important thing in the world right now. And how do you glorify Bitcoin? How do you spread the word about Bitcoin in an art form that is appropriate to something so important? And Stone just sort of clicked. It makes sense to me. Yeah, there's no hiding your proof of work. Exactly. Proof of work is such a integral aspect of it. Like it was literally like, as I was sitting there sweating and hitting, you know, my hammer on the chisel, I'm like, this, this is proof of work. There's no getting around it. That's cool. You and I agree that it is the most 
important thing in the world. And so we become sort of artistic servants <laughs> of sorts to, to send a message or something about it. Is there, and, and you've just spoken to proof of work to low time preference in your process. Does your work itself try and embody that? Is that part of your messaging? Hmm. It's an interesting question. Um, I don't know if I, like, in terms of subject matter, if I've taken on anything yet that is um, directly reflective of proof of work. I think the, the, the medium itself kind of will speak to that no matter what I do. Um, and I tend to document my process and share my process publicly on, on Twitter and on Instagram and things like that. And so people definitely, I think, see the proof of work that goes into it. Um, but that's not the, like the, that's not the central kind of figure, the central star of what I'm doing yet. You know, I was one of those people. I, I, I've been a longtime lurker class of 2017, trying to get my head around this thing. And, and I recall your, what seemed at the time like a retreat from the, the first sort of front lines of whether it was the block size wars or, or just trying to explain Bitcoin into all of a sudden into the artist's studio. And I, I really admired that. And uh, it's fun to hear why and, and what, what took you there. And obviously you haven't left. No, I haven't left. I've, I've kind of become a somewhat jaded Bitcoiner, not jaded in terms of like, you know, not being enamored by Bitcoin or thinking it's, it's as important as it is. But, you know, I found myself at one point just sucked into the social media world and the politics and the bickering and the infighting and the memes. And, you know, I do, I love a good meme every now and then, but, you know, Bitcoin is far beyond just the, you know, arguing on Twitter. It's something much bigger. And I kind of decided to take a step back and, and frankly, because of the nature of the sculpting I do, you know, I don't have time for the the nonsense, you know, like it's my social life has taken a hit and my Twitter life has taken a hit. And it's a good thing because, you know, I find myself in my studio, like I, you know, I work a day job, I work at Swan and I love it, but you know, I spend my nights, most nights in my studio trying to get better at what I'm doing. Um, and so that's probably why I've kind of, I don't know, you'll see me pop up on Twitter to, to give updates on what I'm doing. And then I retreat back into my, my, uh, studio as a stone sculpting hermit, basically. No, I think, I do think that the artists in general, we're at the margins, right? We're, we are, it's the avant-garde. It's, it's in places, you know, sometimes it's with our ideas, but also often our lifestyles have to reflect that. You're, you're, what you're doing is so anathema to the, to the normal culture uh, or to the mainstream culture that it, it seems to be reflective. Yeah, I mean, it's, it can, and it's difficult sometimes, you know, like I, I live in Los Angeles and I've been here for a long time. So I have, you know, a number of close friends here and I would disappear for like a month and they'd be like, like where were you? And I was like, well, I was working on a sculpture <laughs> and that kind of ha just happens. And, but I don't know, it's, inter well, what's really interesting to me is it, it kind of contrasts with, I think some of the artists you see in the fiat world, you know, like I see a lot of quote unquote artists who probably spend more time on their social media or about on talking about art than they do on actually creating art or, or, be, or attaining a level of mastery. And part of what I love about my art form is that you can't attain mastery if you're out doing that. Like, you know, like I, I do think about marketing and building a brand and, you know, making a name for myself as a sculptor, but you know, that's secondary to just becoming better at sculpting.
that makes sense. No, absolutely. Yeah, again, that, that's more to that proof of work and to the uh, low time preference that we spoke of earlier. Because Bitcoin is this sort of bizarre digital entity that is tied deeply to the physical world, and it often gets muddled in technical whoozy what's-its, you know, that's, whether we're, we're talking bits and sats or we're getting into nonces and, and the rest of it, you don't seem to be going there either. You seem to be really dealing with some of its hopes and, and your titles of your, of your pieces are awakening and things like that. I wondered if that was where you were drawn. Yeah, I mean, part of it is because I'm not the most technical person. I mean, I, I went down the technical rabbit hole and made sure I understood Bitcoin, at least, you know, the the basics. And I, I think I reached a point where I don't think Bitcoin is going away. I, I don't think it is, you know, it's not, it hasn't ossified yet. You know, there are going to be changes. There's going to be new BIPs. Like, there's still things to argue over, but the core tenets of Bitcoin are solidified. You know, they're set in stone, if you will. And to me, the more interesting part is, like you said, like, how is this going to change society? And, you know, what can we do to help further that along? Like, like I, I wouldn't say I trust all the developers because, you know, we don't trust, we verify in Bitcoin, but, you know, I'm the, the front lines for me are not in the code base. The front lines for me are making sure that, you know, it doesn't take a hundred years for everyone to benefit from Bitcoin when it could take 20 years. You know, I think there are a lot of Bitcoiners out there who care about, well, no, they don't care. A lot of them are like, I don't care. Bitcoin's going to win. doesn't matter when it happens. And that's fine. They're, you're, they're, it's a valid, you know, belief. But like, I would rather the world improve quicker than, you know, take a long time to get there. And I think art is a powerful way to sort of not necessarily change hearts and minds, although it can do that, but to at least get people interested. You know, like if I spend three months on a stone sculpture, six months on a stone sculpture, or maybe down the road over a year on a large stone sculpture that's inspired by Bitcoin and, you know, tackles themes of Bitcoin. You know, my hope is that someone will say to themselves, hopefully they'll see it and they'll say, uh, I'd like to buy that. But then they'll also say, uh, why did this guy spend an entire year on something about Bitcoin? You know, what's so special about Bitcoin that, you know, it inspires artwork that takes so much time and effort and passion. Um, so to me, that's something that's very important. Um, that artwork isn't just, you know, done in a, you know, like I joked before that I'm a hermit in my, you know, studio working on my artwork, but like the goal is to create artwork that gets seen and, you know, sparks conversations and changes minds or gets people to reconsider their, their views on Bitcoin. That's a question I had. Is have you experienced that yet? Have you experienced where somebody came to your work and they and they were persuaded closer to understanding? Mm, not quite yet. I think. <laughs> I think most fo folks who see your work are are Bitcoiners, right? At this point. For now, yeah. You know, I, I, the majority of people. You know, I've been moderately successful selling some of my my late my newer sculptures, and you know. The buyers are definitely Bitcoiners, but, you know, the goal I think would one day, like I would love to do a public work of art, you know, to me, that's the dream. Like one of my, um, at least in, in spirit, one of my inspirations is crypto graffiti. You know, we have very different, you know, forms of art that we both approach, but, you know, his ability to do these, these amazing gorilla art campaigns is just like incredibly inspiring. And so hopefully I'll get there, but we'll see. 
Yeah, if you never if you ever need help, just like bringing some of your work out into Central Park, I'm, I'm in. It's funny. Someone actually, um, I've had this this idea. I was kicking around. I had a, I actually already just carved this piece of stone into a, a different sculpture, but it was like the perfect shape for a tombstone. And you know, we always joke that Bitcoin has died a million times. And somebody reminded me of this idea. I was like, oh, you should carve a, a tombstone for Bitcoin and like put it somewhere in public. And uh, I thought that was a kind of a funny idea, or like you know, maybe put it into a, a graveyard and see if anybody notices. Yeah, come Halloween where everybody's sort of looking the other way or accepting certain behaviors. Yeah, exactly. But maybe there's something to that, you know, like I've, um, I recently, um, you know, some people will say, oh, this isn't proof of work, but I, I recently got an air compressor and sort of upped my game and started using uh, pneumatic chisels, which pneumatic chisels are, uh, they definitely speed up the work, but it's still like, you know, I'm drenched in sweat afterwards. There's still proof of work going on, but, you know, it allows me to kind of do some of the, the rougher parts of the work, like removing the larger chunks of stone so that I can then get to the detail work faster. Um, and with that, maybe I can sort of up my, up my, um, my output a little bit and do some things that maybe I can create something and put it in public and not care if it gets stolen, that sort of thing versus, you know, spending six months on a sculpture. And, you know, if you spend six months, months on a sculpture, like one, you do want to get paid and two, you want it to find a home where it'll be appreciated and, you know, it won't get broken. You know, maybe now I can make something smaller and, put it in Central Park when no one's looking or uh, something like that. Yeah, love it. And also, I mean, the same way you speak to condensing the time for people to understand away from, you know, the, the cathedral metaphor is still very apt, mm -hmm. but instead of taking 400 years, maybe we can we can be a little more efficient with some of our, you know, we can use cranes. Yeah, we can, use, it's, you know, it's like mining with GPUs and going to ASICs. You know, you're still doing the proof of work, but you're just being more efficient about it. <laughs> Yeah, good. And you have and you have things to share, and you have ways to show it. Look, I'm, as a photographer, it was a laborious process until the iPhone, right? <laughs> so, and it doesn't it doesn't hinder my vision. In fact, I can I can make more. Exactly. So, I, I'm curious in that space between the Michelangelo, and I haven't read that book, but it was visceral reading Saifedean's The Bitcoin Standard and his recounting of Michelangelo's struggles. I wonder if they had overlapped or read each other. Well, I don't think Michelangelo read Saifedean's book, but... Uh, no, clearly. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, that, that chapter of his definitely was, I think, probably the first time that I thought about art in the context of Bitcoin. Um, and it really got me thinking. I know a lot of people hate that chapter, but I... I actually loved it. Like Saifedean, you know, outright rejects a lot of modern artists and I, I can barely walk into a museum if, you know, anything's, you know, from this century. I, it, like most of the time I just <clears throat> want to throw up. And uh, I, I realized that it's sort of a, a, a sign of the times, a symptom of the times rather than, you know, the, kind of a concerted effort to create bad art. And I think that Bitcoin will hopefully change that you know myself and others will hopefully bring back mastery and low time preference art in a, in a bigger way than it exists now but yeah it's modern art man i, I can't stand it <laughs> yeah yeah and i'm i'm with you i think that i think he may have picked on some of the you know the artists the specific artists unfairly but but the premise was valid and it, it resonated with me too mm -hmm. and despite my my art form being highly um, you know, it's it's easier and easier to make, right? A photograph, but you can do other things to accommodate the the, the technological advances. Mm -hmm. Even so, like photography is something that I think like will always 
have a place in the world and is not, you know, I wouldn't even compare quote unquote modern art with photography. Like photography is its own thing. Like, you know, you look at like some of the best photos of the year, you know, there's always like a list that comes out from like Time Magazine or whoever, National Geographic. Like you're telling me that the guy who, you know, waited under a, you know, a, in camouflage on a mountain for, you know, 16 days and ran out of food and then got the amazing picture of the links. Like that's not, you know, proof of work right there, you know? So getting the perfect shot is, you know, much different than taping a banana to a wall in in my opinion. Yeah, man. No, you're preaching to the convert to the, to the converted <laughs> over here. Yeah. And, 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 you know, if you want to go down that tangent around the whole CIA involvement and the rest of it, it starts to be really, it really, piques your curiosity that maybe those guys aren't weren't crazy after all yeah this the you know the folks suggesting that the cia was behind much of it i don't know maybe it was on your twitter feed something recently about that yeah there's this sculptor i i follow who posted something about that and how you know all the the you know museum of modern art and and you know the warhols and all these these quote-unquote you know masters of modern art are really just psyops from uh <laughs> the cia and i don't know maybe I could see it being possible. Yeah, I don't. I don't need it to be deeper, uh, in, in more conspiratorial than just being bad. So I'm sufficiently, I'm sufficiently driven by aesthetics, and and beauty that that this stuff is you lose me pretty quickly. Well, and on that line, are you equally driven by aesthetics? I think so. I mean, like I, I respect artists who create art that you know, maybe ha- is, is more shocking or brutally ugly or what, you know, whatever it is that inspire them to do it. Like, that's great. But like, to me, like, I think part of the job of the artist is to bring more beauty into the world or to reflect the natural beauty of the world. You know, I don't think we can, I don't think the artist can ever surpass what already exists, but we can, you know, shed light on some of the beautiful things that are, that already exist, if that makes sense. Yeah. Putting Bitcoin aside, I think the world is a pretty ugly place at least in terms of uh, some of the things going on. And uh, so, you know, why wouldn't artists try to change that and make the world more beautiful? Like to me, that's just, I don't know, that's common sense to me, but uh, you know. Yeah, I, I think so. And I think at different times in history, there were the artists coalesced around to sort of push us forward. The Renaissance being one of the more notable moments, but the pre-Raphaelites were, were rejecting certain qualities of painting and try and bring them back to these to, to beauty and classical stylistic things do you do you see yourself working within one of those periods of art do you see yourself do you look back and at, at the history of art and say ah oh, that's i'm doing the same thing those guys are doing oh uh, I, I don't think i'd uh i don't want to i don't want to be so proud as to think that i'm you know anywhere close to what they're doing but uh i do think for now in my sort of sculptural journey i'm trying to how do I say this? I'm not attempting to, you know, do what Michelangelo did, but I'm trying to learn the basics. You know, I'm trying here and there I'll take on a, like right now I'm carving a a human hand, which, you know, is very complex. And part of my goal with it was to, you know, try to do something similar to what, you know, the master sculptors did. Like, let's see if I can learn that skill before I go and do something abstract. You know, there's a lot of, there's a fair amount of sculpture still out there today. You know, there are sculptors, you know, that you can go out and see, but a lot of it is very, very abstract and they're beautiful forms, but, but at least for now, I want to try to master realism before I want to learn the rules before I start breaking them. 
And I don't know, maybe I, I won't be talented enough to, to get there. And, but, uh, at least I'm, I'm going to give it a shot before I, uh, throw in the towel on that. No, I appreciate that. I mean, I'm, I'm of the, I learned photography in the dark room. And so it's the similar, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a similar thing when I, when I see the little symbols in Photoshop, I kind of know what some of those mean from, from another world. <laughs> I, I wonder too, and in, in you had said you, you thought the world was an ugly place. And I, I like to use the word sort of unmoored or adrift. You know, there's a lot going on out there and, and all it takes is a quick walk into the streets of Manhattan to realize <laughs> this ain't even New York of three years ago. What is the role of art then to bring us back, to kind of moor us again? Because there's this, there's a conflict there between shaking things up and radically going towards the ideal of beauty or whatever, but we're also, we're trying to break what's existing. And, and some of the, sometimes that doesn't, they, they seem at odds a little bit. How do we moor a culture that is already broken, right? You don't want to moor them in the in the storm. So I, I just wondered if what the role of art would be in trying to recenter a culture. That's a that's a big task right there. I don't <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I think I think part of art is inherently selfish in a way. Like anyone who is an artist who's who is a true artist, I think I can't remember who said this, but it was the 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 gist of the quote is like artists don't create because they want to, they create because they have to. You know, like I create because I really want to, because I enjoy the process. So before I even think about beauty or art or changing the world or whatever, like it's because I want to do this. Um, and so that's that's part of it, right? Um, and I don't know that, I don't know. I don't know that we should think too much about it. You know, we can, like we can think about how we want to change the world. And I think that's a, a noble thing to do. But if you get too bogged down in the details, you won't create your artwork. So <laughs> it's kind of a nothing answer, but no, I like it. And I do, I, you know, I can, I have a tendency to, to overthink and, and I think that's a result of my art being sort of rather simple. I push buttons <laughs> at, at the, on the face of it. And so, and, and you're literally sweating and get, you know, putting <laughs> yourself at risk of silicosis uh, you know, you're in a very different environment. So perhaps it's wise to stay focused on those things. Yeah. I mean, maybe it's, it, it can be relatively simple, you know, like I, I think artists, not all artists, you know, like, but some artists can, how do you put this? Like create the world that they want around them. You know, like I am striving to create beautiful sculptures because I want to live in a beautiful world. You know, I, come from a film background and I went to film school. Um, and I, part of the problem I had with a lot of my, the, my fellow students was a lot of them were like the classic trope of the tortured artist. And they felt like they had to be depressed in order to make good films. And the films they made were, they were disgusting. I'd like, like, I'm, I, like maybe they were dealing with their trauma of their childhood or whatever, but I'm, But to me, I was just like, this is not a film I would ever want to put out into the world. Like, what are you trying to say? What kind of world do you want to see? And so to me, like, like there are probably different reasons to make different types of art, right? Like a photographer, for example, might go and film and photograph in a war zone and, you know, showcase the tragedy. And the the reason behind that isn't because they love tragedy or they love the heartbreak of, you know, starving children. It's because they want to highlight that in order to get people to feel something and hopefully change the world. And that's one way to do it. But, you know, a photographer might also love 
you know, capturing the morning dew on a flower and, and showcasing the beauty of our world. And so there's different reasons, but I think, you know, the reasons can be simple. I don't know. Art's complicated, man. Why do you got to make it so difficult? No, I know, I know, I know. Yeah, look, it is complicated. But I do, what I like about it is it somehow, it can distill complicated ideas and make them and kind of all, there's a subversive quality to some of the best art. It moves culture forward Mm -hmm. in a way that they don't even, folks don't even know they're they're getting, they're advancing, Mm -hmm. right? And sometimes it's, they're little seeds we see with hindsight, right? The impressionists go from being these radicals to being in everybody's dorm room. Mm-hmm. But it was because of those actions they moved the world into something that was, you know, maybe more beautiful or pretty mm-hmm. as the impressionist's work is. And so I think we're we're always in the same we have the same opportunities here uh, to create something that may seem radical or is challenging or or new and yet we know by by simply by doing it it's going to move us forward. Yeah, I, w- I would agree with that. You know, I would say like artists just kind of keeping their blinders on and doing their thing and, and without the need to sort of overthink it, like we'll move that needle. I don't know how many artists didn't become famous until after the fact. And, you know, that's not an ideal situation for an artist, but it happened quite a lot. So. And I, I do think because we're in a time now where time is so compressed and the acceleration of culture, that's very unlikely for that to keep happening. Right. There's just very different kinds of records and very different kinds of ways to get your work out there. Yeah. It's, it's interesting, like the landscape of being an artist now. And I think it's easier than ever to get seen, but it's also, there's so much pressure on artists to share and to create art quickly, which makes it difficult for real art to emerge. You know, like I, as of now, I couldn't support myself fully as a sculptor. You know, I get some supplemental income from that, but you know, if it takes me three months to work on something with no guarantee of a payoff, like, you know, I'm very lucky to ha- to be able to work my day job, which I'm also also passionate about and have the time and resources to pers- pursue sculpture. But like you go on, you know, Instagram and see artists. And I think part of the reason why we see bad art so much is because it's become a machine and they're cranking it out and they're not actually taking the time to get all that much better or develop as artists. I don't know. No, I think you're right. I think you're right. That's, that's a time preference thing too. Mm-hmm. And, and I think we're in a time of sort of just narcissistic, it's a narcissistic freak show out there. So now it's more about attention than quality of work. A or... good way to put it. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be the title of my next sculpture, narcissistic freak show. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. You know, in, in looking at your work, it was the, Awakening that first caught my eye. One of your, I guess that's sort of early now, in your in your efforts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a year and a half, two years ago now, I think. Yeah, and and congratulations on that. It's really beautiful. And uh, thank you. There's also some whimsy though in like Bitcoin lives, right? Your those pieces seem mm-hmm. they're much more engaging. They're in your home, perhaps. You know, they're they're unpretentious, which I really appreciated. So what's f- funny about that piece is I haven't sold it. I don't think I will it's changed so many times. Like I've repainted it. I've replanted it. It's now in my garden and uh, you know, which is kind of fitting for, you know, the title of the piece, you know, for those who are listening and haven't seen it, it's essentially the Bitcoin logo in a concrete kind of square and the top is hollowed out so that I can have plants or succulents in there. Um, And it's just taken on 
you know, it's been reborn multiple times every time, every planting season. I, you know, or I forget to water it or something, but <laughs> then I have to redo it. Awesome. Well, I, again, I, I look forward to, because we know we're at the beginning of this, this process for you, I look forward to seeing what, what comes of it. I don't know if you can hear that. There's a thunderstorm rolling through over here. Oh, I'm jealous. I'm out in LA where we don't get enough rain. <laughs> it's true. I was curious a lot, like sort of last idea in the cathedral metaphor. Mm-hmm. I may know your answer, but where do you see yourself on the crew? No, or or where are we in the process? If Bitcoin is the cathedral, mm. I think I'm the I'm the stone mason who's like carving the weird gargoyles that are sitting up top. You know, they're just super interesting and uh, make people laugh. Hopefully, <laughs> I don't know. I'm definitely not the architect, but. Uh, maybe doing some of the beautiful adornments that, uh, that make Bitcoin that, that, uh, what's the word for it? That immortalize Bitcoin, you know, that give it character that, that beautify it, you know, I think Bitcoin's so important. It deserves beautiful art. And, uh, that's kind of what I hope I can provide. Well, I, I think you're doing it and I look forward to seeing more of it. Nope. No rush. I promise. I'm not, I'm patient, patiently <laughs> waiting over here. Well, Brecky, thanks a lot. Definitely. It was good Good being here. Thanks, Clay. Okay. Okay, brother. And have a great weekend. Appreciate it. I'm uh, off to the studio. <laughs> there you have it. I've added links to Brecky's website and the artists and authors mentioned in this conversation to the show notes for those who are curious. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review the Bitcoin Muse in your favorite podcast app, and perhaps dip your feet into the value-for-value value model over on Fountain or Breeze. That'll help me and OpenSats. Thank you to my brother, Brant, for the music. Thanks for you for listening. And thanks again to Brecky for sharing his time and energy on the Bitcoin Muse. Onward.